ओम ज्ञान I'm not exactly sure what it means to be emotionally weak, maybe psychologically weak, because emotion. Who asked this question? Maybe they don't want to say. Yeah. How would you say that in Croatian? Maybe you would say that emotionally weak. Maybe you could say in Croatian. You're Croatian. How would you say that in Croatian? Emotionally weak. Yeah. I guess I guess it means like uh, psychologically weak because the emotions are always strong, isn't it? It may be emotionally unstable. Yeah, it means like if you're feeling depressed or upset or frustrated. Well, how to properly engage this? Well, we have to try and. Answer everything from the Krishna conscious point of view because everything is meant for serving Krishna. Our emotions can only be satisfied if centered on Krishna. So it's better not to be uh, to bring our frustration and our depression and all these things and try to project it on Krishna. It's better to chant Hare Krishna and be happy. Krishna wants us to be happy. So it's always possible to be Krishna conscious in any circumstance. It's, it's just a matter of changing our consciousness. Which there may be various ways to do that by psychological analysis, or people try to change their consciousness by taking drugs or so many things. And I'm not recommending that you do that. I'm just saying there are various ways of doing that. But the Krishna conscious process is to chant Hare Krishna and be happy. That is the solution, actually. And we see that uh, much of Prabhupada's success in preaching was that he was able to communicate that to the very much frustrated youth of America when he when he first came to America. Very frustrated people. But Prabhupada gave Krishna consciousness, and, which very simply cuts through all the different. Emotion, lower emotions. So, whatever situation we're in, let us try to be Krishna conscious. Of course, sometimes it's a struggle, but if we have nice association, that's that's recommended in Krishna conscious association. That we just like this. If you join a kirtan, it's very difficult to be depressed. I mean, if you stand at the edge, you could still be. Somebody said the voice of standing at the edge. But uh, if we apply ourselves to the process, just if you're not feeling so enlivened or whatever, you can somehow force yourself. This prophet said, even if you don't feel enthusiastic, then force yourself to dance, and enthusiasm will come. So this is the Krishna conscious solution. I mean, if we have too many i mean we see many people in the modern age they have like deep depression and all this kind of thing even that prophet said the solution is Krishna conscious you may need some oh his 
Purnachandra Prabhu has come. This is an announcement to Kishore Das, who just went to tell you that I wouldn't be coming to see you because my seminars got rescheduled at this time. So, Hare Krishna, the full moon has come. So the solution is Krishna consciousness. If we are, ah, here he is. Here's Kishore. So we may have, if we have like serious psychological problems and this kind of thing, then we may have to see a psychologist. Otherwise, everyone has ups and downs. So better get out of the downs, jump up, get into kirtan. Kirtan, service, see how to serve Krishna. Again, if we have the association of enthusiastic devotees, it's very helpful. If we don't, it's more difficult. But still, it's possible. A lot depends on us. Just like we were hearing this morning how Krishna loves us and Krishna wants to reach out to us, but we have to do our part also. Just like many times people come and ask me for blessings, but I usually say, okay, I can give blessings, but you have to do your part also. Don't think that now I got some blessings, I'll go to sleep and... Uh, that's, I'll become Krishna conscious. You have to do your part also. So we have to try and then Krishna will reciprocate this. This is faith in Krishna. We have to have faith in Krishna. That Krishna really is our best friend. And if we endeavor to serve him, then Krishna will help us. But how that help comes, also we shouldn't think that Krishna will come and massage our feet. He may send difficulties also. That's also part of Krishna's mercy. So difficulties will be there that we have to accept and not become discouraged. Taking the taking the example of great devotee, that's why it's, it's so useful to read Prabhupada Lamrita or Bhagavatam, in which all the great devotees, all the stories of how they overcame difficulties in Krishna's service. And they went forward with faith in Krishna and Krishna helped them. And Krishna will help, definitely Krishna will help if we if we stick to his service and stick to the principles. Even we may go through bad periods. Everyone goes through bad periods. However upset or frustrated or depressed or whatever we're feeling, it's, we can look around the world and see that there are many people who are worse off than me. Everyone, in, everyone who's not in Krishna consciousness is in a worse position than me. I mean, I may be feeling down and out, but at least you've got a bead bag in your hand. So you're in a much better position than others. So be confident. That uh, mundane psychologists always talk about the power of positive thinking. So that's also there in Krishna consciousness. But our positive thinking is, is not based on an illusion. The, the mundane psychologists, they, they say, in English there's a saying, look on the bright side. Uh, be positive. But actually there's nothing to be positive about in material life. But we have positive hope that Krishna is helping us. And if others give us bad emotion, emotion in other words, if people mistreat us and this and that, how to transform this? Well, to transform other people's bad emotions, that requires ourselves to be very, have very strong positive emotions. They're, 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 someone who's very spiritually advanced, they, if someone comes and uh, even is very inimical to them, they can 
they can transform that. There are examples of uh, very inimical people becoming transformed. Otherwise, we may have to tolerate. The general, the general advice given in Shastra is that we have to tolerate if people speak badly to us, mistreat us, the general advice is to tolerate and to think that not to blame the person that he's treating me so badly. But the Vaishnava way of thinking is that actually this person is my friend because I, I, I must have done so many bad things to other people in the past. And so therefore uh, this person is very kindly giving me the reaction which I deserve many times more. It's difficult to think like that if someone comes up to us and starts mistreating us. But that is the that is the prescription given in Shastra. And if we develop that, then Krishna becomes so pleased that he reserves a place for us in the spiritual world. If we think that whatever misfortunes are happening to me because of my bad doings. Another way of thinking at it, another way of looking at it is that uh, this person is speaking badly to me or whatever it may be, but what does it matter anyway? I'm so insignificant. We're just tiny little beings in a massive universe. And if someone speaks badly to me, why should I get upset? Let me go on with my service. So there are various ways of looking at it. The general point is that Whatever happens to us in this world, good or bad, we have to remember Krishna. We have to see everything in relationship with Krishna. So Shastra gives us guidelines how to face difficulties remembering Krishna so that everything that happens to us, either apparently good or apparently bad, becomes, uh, becomes an opportunity for us to think of Krishna more. When someone speaks to us badly, we can, we can remember, oh, that reminds me of Hiranyakashipu speaking to Prahlad or something like We may not like to equate ourselves with Prahlad, but we can remember how Prahlad, how he reacted. Somehow we have to remember Krishna in all circumstances. That is the ultimate cure for all difficulties. Is there some special etiquette in relationship between sannyasis and mothers, matajis? Do you think devotees in this area know enough about this? Uh, etiquette, yes, that uh, a good degree of reserve and formality is required. Do devotees in this area, I guess that means this geographical area, ex-Yugoslavia, know enough about this? Um, no. <laughs> And uh, generally in the world at this time, not only in this area, in, in most areas of Vedic culture, most people don't know enough about it. And that's also true in India, although it definitely the situation is better in India. But uh, actually not only between sannyasis and matajis, but uh, between all men and women. There's supposed, apart from... Actually, in Shastra, there are guidelines given. It's not that, well, I'm not a sannyasi, therefore I can just walk up to any woman and joke with her. Not like that. Reserve is required. And it's not only for brahmacharis, it's also grihastas. Even a grihasta, he is generally, you won't walk up to an unknown woman and start talking to her. 
without any reason, or if, even if there is a reason, there's some reserve and respect. So all these guidelines are there. These are there in the Varnashram system because the Varnashram system it guides the members to become free from material desire, which is epitomized as sexual desire. So the ultimate cure for all material desires is to become fully Krishna conscious. But as long as we're not fully Krishna conscious, then we also have to protect ourselves from being victimized by material desires. So, uh, therefore, decorum is required in relationship between the sexes. It's a very important, important part of human culture. Without that, uh, then it's cat and dog life, actually, because the cats and dogs, they don't have any etiquette in dealings between the sexes. They just mix freely. So free mixing is, as Prabhupada often used to say, is simply cat and dog life. And uh, human beings, they can become Krishna conscious, cats and dogs can't. So definitely more decorum is required in this area. We should be careful. Oh, we have so many questions. Mm, that's nice. Some leading devotees recommend devotees with big psychological problems to see better karmi psychologists than devotee psychologists. Do you have an opinion on that? How can karmi psychologists help devotees? Well, big psychological actually devotees shouldn't have big psychological problems. They may do, but in general, I mean, we don't, and everyone has some problem, but we don't exaggerate it too much. The main thing is, the main psychological problem that everyone has is that we're not thinking of Krishna. That's the main problem from which all other problems come. But if we're so much disturbed that, for instance, uh, well, what, is, what does it mean to be insane? I'm talking about psychological problems, that means you're on the way to being insane. So that means when one cannot uh, function as what is considered a normal human being in society, that there are different neuroses, which may develop into psychosis and or schizophrenia, um, manic depression. There are different uh, features of psychological disorder. It may, it may come as uh, an eating addiction or sex addiction. Or there are so many psychological disorders. So if one is actually seriously psychologically disordered, then it may be, in some cases, advisable to see a Kami psychologist, which Prabhupada, although in, in one instance, in one letter Prabhupada said all these, I don't know whether he said psychologists or psychiatrists, he said they said they're all humbug, you should just chant Hare Krishna. Although in another letter, he recommended that one, one devotee should go to the psychologist, to, to the psychiatric ward. So they may be able to help, they have some experience, but we have to be very, very careful because their idea of making you normal is to make you a, a balanced member of their, of their society, which is basically insane anyway. So they can take you from one kind of insanity to another. 
And they'll, they'll tell you, well, forget everything, whatever you did in the past, including chanting Hare Krishna. So, it's better to be psychologically imbalanced and chant Hare Krishna than be a sane, normal, balanced non-devotee. So, uh, I'm just giving a general answer to this because you'd have, you'd have to see the uh, individual case. But in general, I'm, personally, I'm not that much in favor of uh, too much devotees getting too much into all this psychology. I mean, it's not that everyone has to see a psychologist. A psychologist means who teaches you to chant Hare Krishna. That's the best psychologist. Otherwise, you're all floating around on the mental platform, me and my mind, where we're supposed to be thinking about Krishna. So, most of the devotees are somewhat crazy. That's a quote from Prabhupada. I asked that question. Um, shortly after I joined, I was also pretty crazy. Most of our generation were. So, uh, I asked Mukunda Maharaj, who was in Bhaktivedanta Manor, where I joined in England at the time, a few months after I joined, I asked him, he was not sannyasi at the time, I asked him, I said, why are so many devotees crazy? And he said to me, that's a very interesting question. I asked that question to Prabhupada once, and Prabhupada said that you have to be somewhat crazy to join this movement. So you can make whatever you like of that. So yeah, if people, if there are qualified devotees, like Prabhupada mentions in one purport in the Ishopanishad, he said that the, I can't remember the exact quote, that he said that the, the psychiatry or psychologists, they, they understand the workings of the mind. So to some extent, they do. I mean, they do cure people. I mean, I know one devotee who had an eating addiction who was... He was cured by going to Kami psychologists. He was almost cured of his Krishna conscience too, because they told him to they told him to just uh, to, to forget everything he did in the past. So it can be useful, but in general, like I say, we don't want to get too much into analyzing our minds, and it, then we just then we're just thinking about ourselves. We become more and more self-centered instead of being Krishna conscious. Savai manah Krishna padara vindayo. We see the first thing we're supposed to put our mind at the lotus feet of Krishna. So we all have psych. I also have psychological problems. We all have, but better time Hare Krishna. Is it easier to have good spiritual practice in India than in the West? Uh, it's India is a special country, which in which the atmosphere is more favorable than any other place in the universe for being Krishna conscious. However, if we get good association, anywhere in the world is good. The most important thing is good association. In general, the atmosphere is, is better in India. For Krishna consciousness. Although some of our devotees from the West, they all, when they go to India, they, they feel so disturbed for, for various reasons that they, they find themselves better off in the West. But generally speaking, and 
that's stated in Shastra also India's Bharatavarish is a special place for spiritual practices but then it's not also that uh, just by going to India that you'll automatically become Krishna conscious so good association that's most important Prabhupada said to make the whole world India it is a general rule of Bhakti Yoga that one is not advised to merely withdraw his senses from acting but rather engage them in devotional service however there are senses genitals for example that are eager to be used far more frequently than is possible in devotional service how many children can one have so it is obvious that devotees have to check the activities of this particular sense does it mean that one may well end up like Subaru Muni Sobhari Muni what can devotees do in order to prevent such unfortunate development yeah we're supposed to engage the senses in Krishna's service it's an interesting question and it's, in, it's advised to uh, engage the genitals in producing children Krishna conscious children but then the question comes uh, well how many children can you have so obviously some restraint is required also you know I mean you could become a Pajapati like Daksha but you have to be very pious to do that and not in this body well you can have a hundred wives if you can support them all but most people can't support even one very well so uh, restraint is required how to check the activities of this particular sense that's a big question all the yogis and munis and rishis have been asking this for millions of years the only answer is that we ultimately we have to develop a higher taste in Krishna consciousness and restraint is restraint is possible by various means one thing is um, the intelligence has to be used also uh, to see what is the result uh, what is the result of indulgence in unrestricted sex and that intelligence that becomes strong by hearing so we're supposed to hear all these things Prabhupada said once that discussing about he said, Prabhupada spoke very frankly as the question is very frank I guess I can speak as I give the frank thing that Prabhupada said that Prabhupada said the whole world is going on on this vagina problem he said we should discuss these things regularly in our classes this is Kirtan in other words that's also part of a devotional discussion to discuss how to get how to get free from the material attractions of which the strongest is the sexual attraction I, I, another thing Prabhupada said is if, if he said if we don't discuss these things then everything will grow weak if we're not discussing and you see that Shukadev Goswami who is a brahmachari lifelong brahmachari he immediately when he met with Parikshit Maharaj he immediately discussed what is the problem of material life these materialistic people they uh, spend their they waste their time engaged in sexual activities 
So these things, they should be discussed. Otherwise, we'll grow weak. If we have good association, we can be strong. It's a difficult problem. It's not, it's the, this is the problem. Why are we stuck in this material world? Because of our desire to enjoy sex life in various species of life. So intelligence has to be engaged. Good association is required. We should regularly study Prabhupada's books. Because if you regularly study Prabhupada's books, then you'll regularly get a good dose of instruction in this matter. Because throughout the Bhagavatam, this point is discussed in every canto, in the, in the text itself. This point is discussed. So it's a difficult problem. We see even the demigods in the heavenly planets who are by culture more advanced than us. They also have the same problem. Sannyasis also, we see, have the same problem. So we have to be very careful. And pray to Krishna for help. I have that book, that Brahmachari book, which Brahmachari and Krishna Kondra, which, which addresses this problem. Practically speaking, in terms of our of our spiritual advancement, this is uh, on the practical platform. This is more important for most devotees than reading about the intimate pastimes of Krishna. That book is available there. You can take it. I'm also trying to distribute my books. Here's a question in Croatian, which you can kindly read out in Croatian and English. Između obožavanja krišnjenog oblika u umu i proučavanje šastra. I koja je razlika tim u dostizanju svjesnosti Krišne. I koja je razlika tih u dostizanju svjesnosti Krišne? Ja to ne mogu razumijeti. You don't understand the question? Ask the person to rewrite it then. Ko je postavio to pitanje? No, that's why we have them written, because it's supposed to help people clarify. Otherwise, sometimes people ask they verbally ask questions, they're not even sure themselves what they're writing, what they're asking. So if it's not clear, ask the person to rewrite it and... Hmm. Get him, ask him to rewrite it. No, and then no, 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 not the, the, the sense is hmm. what I cannot grasp, not the handwriting. No, no, I understand. I understand that you don't understand the sense of yes, the question. Yes, so ask him to rewrite it. Here's a question which was asked to me yesterday also. If we give a donation to the temple, the money becomes used not for the service of the Lord, but for the personal sense gratification, for some kind of personal sense gratification, what is the position of the donors? Do we share reactions for it? Or if we give, for example, fruit and due to the neglect of temple devotees, it rots and can't be used for the Lord, or if they forget to use it. Uh, a slightly, I was given a, this question and another one on top of that, that should we continue to give donations if the money is misused? So my 
general reply was as follows yesterday when I asked this question, is that practically in any institution, whether it's a religious institution or a, or a government office, a government ministry or a, a business institution, some money may be misused. It may be spent in a way which could be considered that it's not very wisely spent. So that's everywhere. Unless someone's a complete miser and doesn't spend any money at all. So some money may, may be due to a lack of conscientiousness or foolishness. Some money may be misspent. But still, the deities have to be fed, clothed. The devotees living in the temple, they, the temples require support of grihastas and devotees who are earning money to run on. So in general, we should give, and if, if there is serious, if there are serious cases of misspending, then maybe we may try to rectify that. Now if, if the money is being used for someone's personal sense gratification, if the money is not, they don't, they're not nice offerings made for the deities, but, but, uh, Devotees are using it for meat-eating, gambling, illicit sex, intoxication, or maybe not directly simple activities, but maybe buying themselves expensive watches and things like that, and the deities are not looked after nicely. Then, uh, again, that, that's, that's deliberate, what we could call our deliberate misuse. So that's also not good. And that we should... There's supposed to be a system in Iskon that if you're not satisfied with some activities of the authorities, you're supposed to refer it, or you're supposed to speak to them first and then refer it to a higher authority. I, generally, I don't see the, fun, the system functions very well, but there's supposed to be a system and we should try and follow that. But in general, we should... Uh, it, it's the duty of grihastas or... Grihastra actually means one who's at home. So even if you're not married, if you're living outside and earning money, then it's your duty to give some donation to the temple. If you feel that things are being misused, then you might want to donate what's called in English in kind. That means instead of giving money, you may give some bag of rice or some butter or something like that. You can get, see what's required in the kitchen and and purchased like that. What is the position? Well, uh, no, if if the if the money is deliberately misused, if you give to Krishna and it's misused, that's not your fault. You don't. That's not your bad karma. But obviously, if you give fruit and every time you see it's rotting, then you're going to be obviously who's going to be encouraged to go on giving it. And then this, the next question, following the order of the authority, if we engage in sinful acts such as stealing flowers, what is our position and responsibility? Do we get karmic reactions for that? Actually, to steal for Krishna, it's not a sinful. Because the private garden, do not steal the flowers, and you steal them and use them in Krishna's service. Actually, you're benefiting the people because they are stealing from Krishna by not offering it to him, because everything belongs to him. However, there are rules and regulations and laws in this world, and it's generally better that devotees follow those rules, lest they be misunderstood. Just like 
Actually, there's nothing morally wrong if you walk up to someone on the street and take their wallet and use all the money, if you use it in Krishna's service. You're actually benefiting the person. But it's very difficult for non-devotees to understand this. And even ourselves, we may become, uh, we may develop a wrong mentality by doing that. So it's better to follow the rules of the state. Devotees, generally they shouldn't steal flowers and all this kind of thing. Uh, if you are asked to do that by your temple authorities and you feel uncomfortable with that, then again you should say to the temple authorities that I don't feel comfortable doing this. And if they insist on you doing it and you still don't feel comfortable doing it, then you should refer it to the next higher authority, which means the GPC member. I, I, I was just speaking that it's not sinful, but to steal for Krishna, so-called steal. But at the same time, I don't at all recommend that you do it. It's, it, it's not good that devotees get a reputation as petty thieves. I'm just speaking, that's the theoretical platform. But practically we shouldn't do these things. We let us preach and serve Krishna and then Krishna will give us more flowers and fruits and cars and buildings and everything. And if we sincerely want to use everything in Krishna's service, Krishna will spend more than we can imagine how to use. We don't have to become petty thieves. What should the relationship between brahmacharis and grihastas? Again, I mentioned this in this book, Brahmachari and Krishna Consciousness. What is the etiquette? Well, it's going to be a little different, different in each case. In general etiquette, there's an attitude of respect. All are engaged in Krishna's service. The uh, uh, brahmachari's mode of life is different to that of a grihasta, and each should respect the other. And the brahmachari, he, he may have so many interactions with the grihastas at preaching programs and temple programs, but he may not get very much involved in his family life. They may, the grihastas may invite sometimes, come, take prasad, but uh, he shouldn't get much involved with his family members. Brahmachari is best better than sannyas. Because sannyasis, they have to get involved with so many families and so many things. And brahmacharis, you just remain aloof. Any more questions? I only have one here. Maybe you don't like my answers, but I need a few more questions. How can we discriminate between a true or false Raganuga Bhakta, presumably? And what is a true Raganuga Bhakta? Well, a true Raganuga Bhakta, you may not even know he's a Raganuga Bhakta because he doesn't go around announcing, I'm a Raganuga Bhakta. Everybody should know I'm a Raganuga Bhakta. He's, it's supposed to be an internal thing. So you may not know who's actually on the Raga Mag. But if you find someone who's announcing, I'm a Raganuga Bhakta, then you can be fairly sure he's not. He's false. Okay, oh, you have, no, you have this question again now. Uh, what is the difference in making advance by uh, worshipping Krishna's uh, form in the mind 
and in the advancement made by studying the Shastras. Okay, you want to read that in Croatian? Uh, well, there are various processes to understand Krishna. All of them are based on Shastra. In the four ages, there are four Yuga Dharmas. In the Satya Yuga, this meditation or mental worship of Krishna is recommended. That system is based on Shastra. And in Kali Yoga, the system is by chanting the holy names. That's also based on Shastra. In general, the, the, the system of only trying to do everything in the mind, that is not recommended for the sage. One should chant the holy names, associate with devotees, engage in devotional service, study the Shastra. If one tries to simply do everything in the mind in this Kali Yoga, then he won't, proper advancement will not be made. It's not recommended for the sage. So studying the Shastra, that is part of the sadhana bhakti process, which is centered around chanting the holy names of the Lord. So that is essential for every devotee. By performing certain devotion or, let's say, pious activities, it is well known that uh, a credit is accumulated, pious credits or, I don't know, spiritual credit. So, I'm interested whether is it really possible to transfer this benefits to somebody else. Uh, like for example, we sometimes we used to say, I'll change this round uh, for, for somebody, for the living beings, for my deceased uh, relative or somebody. Mm. So, so for example, we are sometimes following certain vratas, they, uh, fasting or, I don't know, certain mm. vratas. Is it possible to, for example, we fast for special appearance days and there is, is mm. it said there is some merit. So can, is it possible to transfer that merit we are gaining to to somebody else and how is it done this transfer if it is possible Dalije moguće kada radimo različite zavijete ili mantramo i steknemo određene pobožne zasluge ili zalihe Dalije moguće onda te dobrobiti prenijeti na neku drugu osobu i ako je moguće kako se to čini I think this idea comes to a large extent from I don't know about other traditions within the Catholic tradition have this idea, say a prayer for me. As far as merit is concerned, well there's punya on the material platform that can be transferred to others simply by wishing it. Or one may formally give blessings if one actually has the power to do so and give blessings and people can be benefited by that. Now the idea I'll before I'll do some fasting and I'll get some benefit from that and I'll transfer that to others. That's not exactly within devotional consciousness. The idea is that when a devotee fasts or chants rounds, he does everything for the pleasure of Krishna, not thinking that I'll get some benefit from Krishna. 
and I'll transfer that to others. So we can do, we can chant and we can pray to Krishna that please help this person to become Krishna conscious. But it's not that, you see, bhakti, that's on the unlimited platform. So when we chant, that we ourselves get benefit. It's not that it's measured this much. I, today I made this much, now my graph is my bank, my bank balance is going up. But bhakti, that it's not a mechanical process. It depends on the, on the mercy of Krishna, which is bestowed upon us in reciprocation for our surrender to him. So the idea that I will get some merit, merit for my activities and I will transfer to someone else, it's not really in the line of devotional thinking. Rather we may, we may chant and we may pray just like Prabhupada sometimes asked his disciples to pray for him. So we may do that. But not with the idea that some of the, this round is whatever I get, I'll transfer this here and I'll transfer this there. Hmm. How important is it to get up only at the time of Brahma Mahorta for developing Krishna consciousness? If we don't have any taste for getting up, should we do it anyway or make a compromise? Apparently no one has a taste for getting up early in the morning. Everyone likes to sleep as much as possible. However, we have to understand what our real interest is, our real self-interest is, what Krishna wants us to do. Krishna wants us to rise early and glorify Him. He gets up early in the morning, so the servant shouldn't sleep after the master. So that is Krishna consciousness. Instead of thinking that, well, what do I want to do? I don't feel like it. We have to think, well, what does Krishna want me to do? So Brahma Mahorta, without, as Prabhupada said, one who does not rise early, he's not serious about spiritual life. So if you want to be serious about Krishna consciousness, then we should rise early in the morning. And if we're not serious, then you can do any damn thing you like. It's up to you. That uh, Vishwanath Chakravartako has given at the end of his of the Gurvashtaka, he's given that verse. I'll see if I can remember it. Srimad Gurvashtaka Etaduchai Brahma Mohurte Patati Payatnad. Yes, ten. Tainaiva Vrindavana Nata Seva Sevaiva Labhya I can't remember exactly. Anyway, the purport is that anyone who rises in the Brahma Mahurta specifically stated and loudly chants this Gurvashtaka, the prayers beginning some erroneously called the Sangsara prayers. Not it's not that we're praying to be stay in samsara. It's called Gurvashtaka. So anyone who rises in the in the Brahma Mahurta who loudly chants this, they will attain service directly to Vrindavananath, Krishna in Vrindavan. So if we want, we get Krishna. If not, then we sleep. 
and sleep and sleep in eight million four hundred thousand forms. Go on sleeping. Oh, who's this? Again, the same handwriting. Who's this? Yourself. How important is this to wear to devotional clothes and tea like? Well, it's certainly very helpful. In various ways. As Prabhupada said, that it's like the policeman when he wears his uniform, then he feels, helps him to feel like a policeman. It helps other people to recognize him also, to recognize his function and his job. And a devotional clothes, uh, of course, these are, this is the kind of dress that's worn in the spiritual world. There are no blue jeans or swimsuits or any such things there. So that's all preparing us for the spiritual world. Tilak is very important. That marks the body as a temple of the Lord. And all these things help us to identify. It helps, they help us to be Krishna conscious. It's not essential. One can be Krishna conscious in any dress. But devotional dress certainly helps. And especially for those who are preachers of Krishna consciousness or those who are living in a temple. Um, unless there's uh, any great need to change their dress, which generally there isn't. I mean, when I come to the Western world, in India I don't wear at all, and in the Western world also I don't wear them. If I go to Serbia, I'm told you have to go through the border in kami clothes. If I go to Muslim countries, like that. otherwise there's no need. Not necessary. Let people see your devotional dress and chant Hare Krishna. If they see you, they'll say Hare Krishna. And that's good for them. It's also a good protection for us. Because if you're dressed as a devotee, then there's more feeling. I have to act as a devotee. Any other questions? Hare Krishna. So we'll finish? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. You have all the books in Croatian, isn't it? All Bhagavatam? At least up to the tenth canto. Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, hmm?